We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. That's with right. the biggest stories of the day. It's the Big Three at Three. Number one. That's right, and as you can tell, Ron, the show Hughley is out and Clint Sterner stepping all over Tyler's toes on that intro right there, but it comes in all innocence and ignorance, my man. I apologize. Ron, the show Hughley is out today. My man Sean Bajani of Sports Radio 610 is in. And, hey, look, the Texans, I know it's been a rough season, but uh, got to finish this thing, baby. Week 16 matchup at the Titans. We've got three days to go. They're playing on Christmas Eve. I'm going to have my toes up. Not an eggnog guy. I'm going to have my toes up drinking one of the most silver bullets. Really? Uh, uh, what? You don't like eggnog? Not an eggnog guy. Never been an eggnog guy. Are you, you oh, are? Oh, I love eggnog. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, you, I would if, if you put a poll out, you're, you're in a, I would say you like eggnog. You haven't had the right kind yet. If you don't like yes. it. Yes. You know, that's just it. Well, I mean, what are we doing? We, we got 10 different flavors of eggnog. Is that where we're at uh, now? I mean, there's a right I and mean, wrong my, way to my, do it. My Uncle Force has been an eggnog guy since I was knee-high knee to a grasshopper. And I, I, I ever, ever so often, I'd sneak me a little sip, and I've just never enjoyed the uh, the eggnog. I mean, what, what do we got? Is this like Starbucks eggnog or something? Like we got all kind of different flavors Cinnamon's now? Cinnamon's the red? key. Cinnamon. Well, hell, you I, that's add, you exactly what I was going to say. Well, damn, you add cinnamon to anything, it makes it better. Well, I mean, like bacon. I mean, you're asking, like, if you have certain things without bacon. I thought, I thought eggnog was just like eggnog. Just like, that. I thought that was it. I didn't realize no. I didn't realize we gourmeted up egg, eggnog. No, no, there's there's some good ones. There's some bad ones. I'm Lately, I've been sipping on the OHEB eggnog. Very good. See, I was just going to say, well, now, like, it is, depends on if you're getting out of the mean? store or not. Like, the hell does that mean? They, We're they talking sell... about flavored eggnog versus the original, and you bring H-E-B to the table. <laughs> well, What's the flavor, Chief? Well, H-E-B makes a great eggnog, and it's uh, they sell a light eggnog, so it's not doesn't quite have as much sugar, but it tastes really good. So you guys are taking eggnog. I, just so I'm clear here, because I'm, I'm obviously ignorant on the topic. I love the holidays, by the way. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everybody out there. This is the best time of year. I mean, when I pull up to the house and my lights that I hung are up, I absolutely, it is absolutely beautiful. Oh, okay. Eggnog. eggnog. I, we're we're going to circle back. We got big three at three we got to hit here. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. This is uh, It's been a while since I've had the reins to the show. I get a little carried away every now and then. We got Sean Bajani with us, who is in every press conference uh, with, with the Texans, no matter who's uh, at the mic. He's over there in the building talking to these guys. And so I'm going to turn it over to you, Sean. What's, what is, they, got the te- they got the Titans Christmas Eve. We've established that. What what does this look like for some of the bigger names with the Texans in terms of are they going to be available or not? Well, Nico Collins, Kenyon Green, uh, Okoronkwo, and Laramie Tunsil, they were all DNPs yesterday as far Did not as, practice, that is, DNP, did not practice, as folks. As far as today goes, Green and Collins' status didn't change today. Okoronkwo did return, as did Laramie Tunsil. He was just the DNP yesterday because he was, I, I guess, experiencing some cold and flu symptoms like I guess it's been going around over there, but he was back at practice today. Brandon Cooks, Steven Nelson, uh, they were out there doing more. Uh, Cooks has obviously been dealing with a calf. Mm-hmm. Nelson has had the foot injury. Uh, they were on the side fields last week doing some plyo um, and some sure. strength uh, exercises while the guys were stretching and practicing, so I think that's a good sign. 
Um, just the kind of look and feel being in the building every day over there, it doesn't seem like I would anticipate seeing Brandon Cooks on a football field taking a meaningful snap going forward. That could just be me. Um, I feel a little more certain about the fact that we could see Steven Nelson play the end of the season. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be ready for Saturday. It's a short week, so that kind of compounds like the ramp-up process that the Texans like to have with their players that do experience injury. They like to have a full week of ramp-up. It just depends on the severity of Nelson's foot. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's ready to go on Saturday. I'll say that, but maybe the final two games. Then you really start to get into the question of, all right, well, is it worth it? Particularly because Traymond Smith in the secondary the last couple of weeks against the Cowboys and Chiefs have played one of their better games as a unit all season long. Yeah, look, I'll say this. I agree with you wholeheartedly that 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 Tremont Smith in particular has played um, the best corner that we've seen, and I think the secondary's probably played some of the best football that we've seen all year long as a whole. Uh, I would like to see this secondary with Steven Nelson back. I'd like to see Steven Nelson back, the ability to move Des King back inside. Then you got Des and Tavier Thomas as your nickel-dime defenders. Um, I, I, I thought from jump when they're healthy that this secondary – uh, was one of the was the better group on really the whole team. If you look at the, the meeting room, the position group as a whole, and, and not just safeties but corners as well, when healthy, I was really high on this secondary and loved where that, that position group is trending. And I think they're at their best when Des King and Tavier Thomas are available inside. The only way that happens is if Steven Nelson comes back. With that said, I think they've even gotten better because my belief in Tremont Smith at the cornerback position – is significantly better than it was in the preseason. I thought he was underutilized. I thought he was a guy that deserved more run, more credit, being able, being allowed to actually compete for a job yeah. at the cornerback position, and he really wasn't getting that opportunity. I never thought that he would come play his best ball versus the Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs at a time when a lot of guys at 111-1, 110-1 were quitting or, or, or would have quit, 100%. he comes out and plays his best looking, ball. So. He was looking for an opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's a special teams contributor yeah. who's done a fantastic job as a return guy all season long. Um, a big beneficiary of the, the job that Frank Ross has had uh, with, with his guys executing in coverage. But, you know, Tremont Smith, as good as he's been the last couple of weeks, particularly I noticed this against uh, Marcus Stant- uh, Scantling, uh, with the Chiefs the other day, who scored the touchdown on him right after he made a great pass defense, pass breakup against Fortress, um, uh, uh, the, the the play before. Yeah, he's just undersized, and to me, that just proved that you know, again, size again in the NFL, particularly, does matter. Can he play the cornerback position in the NFL? Absolutely, but on a matchup to matchup basis. When Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Eric Bienemy are scheming against you and you fail to make an adjustment because they put a bigger, more athletic, overpowering receiver on you, you've got to be able to make the adjustment as well. And the Texans didn't do that at that point in time. They, they didn't have the bodies to do it, to yeah. be quite honest. Yeah, I, look, the other one on the offensive side of the football is Nico Collins. I, I would like to see Nico Collins get back in the ball game and get back, back active again. Uh, he did not practice today, is what you're telling me, or was that yesterday? No, did both didn't practice yesterday okay. or today, along with Green and um, uh, uh, Okoronko yeah. was out yesterday as well, but back today. Nico Collins is the one that that uh, really sticks out here. I don't know that Kenyon Green with a bad ankle, interior wise. It, it, I don't know that the Titans are the team that he wants to come back against on a short week. Um, you're, you're talking about one of the best in the game, and Jeffrey Simmons in there, who he's got an ankle problem, but he was limited 
Tuesday at practice, and so I would imagine he is going to play. I don't know that Kenyon Green wants to rush back with a bum ankle on a short week and play against Jeffrey Simmons. We'll see what happens. I don't think he's too far along from being shut down for the rest of the season, maybe unofficially, to be honest with you. And I wouldn't mind seeing another Titus uh, Titus and Tunsil duo on the left side there. I kind of like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I like Charlie Hicks starting at that right tackle position. But nonetheless, I I, I would rather them – I would rather Charlie Heck be on the edge and, and fighting for his life and, and, and have Jeffrey Simmons somewhat handled inside with Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil on that left side. I would rather have that and my quarterback doesn't do the pocket doesn't get blown up from the inside out. I would rather have that than than uh, just be soft across the middle um, because of a bum ankle or because of a, a, a rookie that, that just is struggling in pass protection. Nonetheless, there you have it. Sean Bajani, little Texans report before they – uh, catch a flight to Nashville and play a game versus the Tennessee Titans on Christmas Eve. Big three and three, number two. All right, John Heyman, who we're going to have on at the 340 segment, the back half of the 3 o'clock hour, you're going to be plugged in here. John Heyman, he he broke the Carlos Correa news at 1.36 this morning, folks. 1.36 a.m., he broke the news that Carlos Correa – flips from the Giants to the Mets. Carlos Correa had a 13-year, $350 million deal that was all but sealed. It was signed and it was it just it just wasn't sealed because the medicals hadn't been cleared yet. Don't know exactly what happened with the Giants, but ultimately there was a um there was a an issue with the medicals. Here is a statement from the Giants, president of baseball operations. I'm not even going to try it, Tyler. I'm not even going to try it. Faron Zadi. Faron Sounds Zaidi. good to me. I think, I think I'm pretty close. Uh, if, if I did miss, I know he will appreciate what I the name that I gave him. Faron Zadi. Right. I, I think it's Zaidi, but. Zaidi, I like that. But 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 what did I say? Zadi. Zadi? I, I think Zadi sounds better. If I was him, I'd rather be Zadi <laughs> than Zaidi. It's less but effort, yeah. Nonetheless, here's here is the uh the comment from uh the the Giants president of baseball operations. While we are prohibited from disclosing confidential medical information, as Scott Boris stated publicly, there was a difference of opinion over the results of Carlos's physical examination. We wish Carlos the best. Um nonetheless, 136 this morning, John Heyman, he breaks the news. Carlos Correa and the New York Mets, 12 years, $315 million. So one year one year shorter. And what does that make it? I'm, I'm going to do my AAVs. math here. $35 million uh, less one year, $35 million shorter than, than the uh Yeah, the average Giants annual deal. value is still in the $26 million range. Yeah. Uh, he takes actually about a $650,000 hit on average annual value. Uh, per year so it's not that big of a hit it's just interesting that statement that the Giants released today difference of opinion I can't wait to ask John Heyman about that like what exactly does that mean what was the difference of opinion and who had the difference of opinion was it the Giants to the doctors or the doctors to the Giants yeah and and that's I mean I know we won't get the more than likely, we won't get the details of medically what the issue was but I but I am I am interested to hear how legit was the medical concern? Was it? Would you would you call it earlier? Uh, uh, 
that basically they got out over their skis a little bit after missing on Judge and and okay. and, and went after. I think Correa John Lopez and, characterized it as buyer's remorse, which there you is go. seemingly That's the, the sentiment. For. Uh, you know, from two o'clock in the morning today, it's like right. Wow. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. It could be anything anything from a, a serious medical issue to to buyer's remorse to to steal it from John. Lopez, I, I, I'll be interested to hear from John Heyman as well. But nonetheless, Carlos Correa is not a San Francisco giant, not going to play ball on the West Coast. He is going to be in the Northeast with the Mets, who apparently have a money tree in the backyard. They were already leading the pack, I believe, in terms of spending this offseason. Well, they just blew that through the roof. Uh, uh, Bajani, do you have those numbers that, that, I, that I just fumbled all over the place earlier? In terms of spending and and payroll this year versus what it's looked like in the past, yeah, I do. So the Mets' current payroll is estimated to be around 384 million. Luxury tax payments, luxury tax payments alone are going to exceed 111 million. Their total payroll projects to be 495 million. The previous max payroll in baseball, less than 350 million dollars. The Mets are at almost a half a billion. So that's a difference of about $150 million from the last max. From a payroll perspective for one year, they are $150 million beyond where anybody's been. It's a Major League Baseball high, right? The former Major League Baseball high was 380-something. Nonetheless, it's 350-something. They have, from a payroll perspective... They have blown it through the roof. It's the most ever from a, a, a off-season spending perspective. They they have spent more than a total of, what was it, the 22 teams? Uh, there's only 10 other teams that are going to pay their entire 26-man roster less than what the Giants – Giants now, but the Mets exceed in luxury tax, which is $111 million. Right. I got it here. 2023 MLB offseason spending. The Mets, $806 million. The bottom 22 teams in Major League Baseball, $753 million. Oh, that's the number you were looking at. That, yeah. that's, that's the number I was looking for. Yeah. And and the Astros, by the way, $105 million, if you want to put that in comparison. <laughs> it's getting awfully expensive. Love it. It's getting awfully expensive to chase the Astros, folks. We'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into this Correa to the Mets situation. And John Heyman's going to be with us within about 30, inside of 30 minutes. So at the bottom of this hour, uh, 340-ish, make sure you're tuned in. John Heyman, the man that broke the news on Carlos Correa going to the Mets, is going to join the show. Big three at three. Number three. All right, got a little bit of sad news here. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Fame running back Franco Harris dies at the age of of 72. His son, Doak, which by the way, I love that name. I, did, I didn't know that uh, Doak Harris was, I didn't know Franco Harris' son, his name was Doak. I don't know why I would know that other than just maybe reading a story here or there or watching a documentary, but nonetheless, I really like it. Doak told the Associated Press his father died overnight. No cause of death was given. His death comes two days before the 50th anniversary of the play that provided the jolt that helped transform the Pittsburgh Steelers' from also rans into NFL elite and three days before the team is scheduled to retire his number. So the, the Titans, the Titans, the Steelers were going to retire his number 32 during a ceremony at halftime wow. uh, at the end of this season in the game versus the Raiders. And in two days, so I'm assuming Friday, was going to be the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which Tyler, let's hear that. For the man, Franco Harris, can we hear it one time? You got it dialed up. This is Franco Harris, Pittsburgh Steelers' immaculate reception. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off! 
Rest easy, Franco. Rest in peace, my man. And and uh, prayers up for your family. And and uh, boy, what what a memory that is, right? It don't matter if, if you if you are a sports fan of of any kind. I mean, that play right there is up there with the greatest of all time in in all of professional sports. Um, Nineteen seventy two. So fifty years and two days. The anniversary that had to be still has to be one of the most, if not the most iconic catch in NFL history. It's up there with. The last shot that Michael Jordan took, it's up there with the original The Catch, Willie Mays, mm-hmm. 1954 World Series. I can't believe they hadn't retired his jersey, How by about the way. The, the Catch already. from Montana to, was it Brent Jones? Dwight Clark. Dwight Clark. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My birth year, 1982. Really? NFC title game. You young punk. Oh, young <laughs> punk. That's Sean Bajani. I'm Clint Sterner. You're listening to Sports Radio 610. Join the drive right here with uh, Sterner and Ugly at Thirsty at Thirsty Texan, at the Thirsty Texan, for a Miller Lite football Friday this Friday from 2 to 6. Come hang with us. Thirsty Texan, 2 to 6 this Friday. Miller Lite, big props for making that happen. Hang out with with us and, and get ready for Saturday's Christmas Eve rematch with Tennessee on a Miller Lite football Friday. And, um, folks, we got, uh, we got good news. My man, Michael Brantley, not only... Did he sign a one-year deal, and he's coming back to the tech uh, to the Texans, to the Astros? But uh, we got answers, man. We got answers. How's his rehab going? When's he gonna be swinging a stick again? How's he feel about splitting time with Jordan Alvarez? Hear it from the horse's mouth. You'll hear all that next, right here on Sports Radio 610. What updates would you like? We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. I like that. Put a little bass behind them bells. I like that, T. You're doing I thought a good you'd job. appreciate you're, you're that, You're doing man. a good job today, man. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Um, man, what a, what a time of year. Uh, I tell you, this is my first Christmas with a little one, y'all. First Christmas with a little one. It gets better. It well, gets better. I mean, here's the deal. is My wife hadn't gotten any cheaper, and uh, so Christmas is getting significantly more expensive. But... I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I just I just absolutely love introducing a 
new human being to all the things yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Really all the things in the world as a first-time father. But, boy, when Christmas lights and Christmas trees and, boy, my wife was hell-bent. I'm, I'm going to put this fence up, and I don't want to, you know, on the presents and on the on the ornaments, and I'm worried about this and worried about that. Baby girl has absolutely destroyed three of mama's bows on the presents. You know, the bows are <laughs> yeah, all yeah, pretty. Yeah. The bows are, they're just straight pulled out now. She's pulled several of the ornaments off the bottom of the tree. It's absolutely beautiful some man. of my kids did that too man they get tore up one of our presents well, that's because and... you didn't whoop their ass enough them dogs you got oh oh they get disciplined yeah yeah, yeah really the, not enough the fur babies have broken a few few ornaments man oh man so i feel your pain well the I, thing uh... is i come in a couple days ago and my, and, and my wife took the hook out of one of them and, and gave it was a gold oversized ornament and, oh yeah, and, and baby girl's throwing it around the living room like to- she tosses everything now, backhands it, everything. I mean, her dad's an old NFL QB. What do you expect? Hey, that overhand is nasty. She's got a quick release power snap, no question about it. Now she doesn't have much of a backstroke. She just, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you put it in her hand right above her ear, and she'll flip that sucker right at you. Now I'm sure you're gonna work with her though. She'll be she'll be slinging it before no time. No question about My it. My two and a half year old broke about a fifty or sixty year old ornament. A couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh no! Like a family heirloom oh, type. Yeah, ornament. it was. It was personal to me. It was. Uh, it was a ornament with the St. Louis Browns logo on it. That was my grandfather's. You know, that's the team he played for back in the day. Yeah, we hung it up every year. Man. Some way or another, he got it. It wasn't put up high enough to where he could get it, and <laughs> got it, and it shattered all over the place. And so, did you put him in timeout? I I wasn't there when it happened, and so my wife told me like when I come in the door, like, "Hey, Bubba's got something to tell you." And I'm oh, like, no, Uh-oh. Bubba. <laughs> and I, I was like, I was totally fine with it. You know, it's like we had another one, and then she made me another one. Right. Oh, you know, that's she sweet. does like the little cricket thing, and so she put like the design on it. And so, I mean, I was good with that. I mean, I understand that, that stuff's going to happen. And he's broken plenty of other things. Yeah, yeah. Before, I, I, so I, I was mean, ready. Maybe when I was mid 20s, maybe even mid 30s, something like that would have really got under my skin. At, at, at 45, baby girl can break whatever the hell she wants to break. I'm yeah, not, I'm, right I'm, not, I'm not real worried about it. Um, all right, anything other than a bone or something like that, that, that would hurt me. But anything else, she can, she can do whatever the hell she wants. Speaking of Christmas time, the Astros got a nice little Christmas. Are all of us Astros fans, let's put it that way, uh, Jim Crane's buying these Christmas presents. And so you, you and I and, and all of the Astros fans out there, we're the ones that actually get to enjoy them. We but, get a chance uh, to party, party. That's right. Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> Michael Brantley. Uh, he signs a one-year, $12 million deal with the Astros with $4 million worth of incentives on the back end of this thing. Michael Brantley will be an Astro in 2023, and I'm here for it. And uh, I know we've already talked about it this week. Some some folks out there are probably going, what the hell are you talking about? Well, we Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley spoke about several things, but he spoke to the media as a 2023 Astro, knowing that his future is here, and he said some things that I think most of the fans out there, hell, most of, if you don't, if you don't appreciate this, if you don't, if you don't appreciate Uncle Mike, hell, something's wrong with you. All right, let's crank it up with this right here. Michael Brantley, he talked a little bit about um, the Astros and and were they always in his plan in terms of him returning to the Astros? Yeah, hundred um, percent. We have the family atmosphere like we do. We have such great teammates uh, in an organization, like I said before, that, you know, brought me in with open arms and made me feel comfortable right away. I'm very appreciative of it. So anytime I have that opportunity, uh, you know, working through this process, you know, I always got excited. You know, anytime that, you know, there was a chance that I knew I could come back and be a Houston Astro again. Appreciative of the opportunity. I know in today's game in 2022, uh, it's, it's not very often that we see 
established, long in the tooth, um, pelts on the wall type of players be appreciative of opportunities and voice that appreciation publicly. Um, But I'm going to tell you what, this is one reason why I'm a huge Michael Brantley fan is I firmly believe, I mean, he's obviously a great player, yeah. but I firmly believe that he is appreciative of the opportunity to be a part of such a a great franchise, a winning franchise, a World Series caliber franchise, but more importantly, such an amazing clubhouse. I I, I appreciate him saying that, and I believe 100% that he means it, and it's refreshing in 2022 to hear an athlete that could have an ego, that that could feel like he's the, the, the best thing since sliced bread and, and could um, think of it more about himself. It's, it's refreshing to hear a guy talk about appreciating the opportunity from Crane and the Astros. One reason why I'm a big Michael Brantley fan. 100%. I mean, I've, I've been a Michael Brantley fan, you know, long before he got to Houston when he was still one of the most consistent hitters uh, and prolific hitters in all of baseball yeah. while he was with the Indians. I think one of the most underrated hitters in the American League, easy to say, because he was mired in a lot of mediocre mediocre uh, Cleveland Indians teams. He now with the Houston Astros, um, they're on a, a national stage every single day. People are talking about him. Sure, he appreciates it. He wants another opportunity to go and actually play this time in a World Series and win one. I think it's quite similar to the experience of Justin Verlander experience the two years that he had to watch his team make runs without him being yeah, able to contribute. Good point. Good point. And, and then all of a sudden you get a chance to come back and you're better than you uh, than you were before, at least yeah. for a season. Thankful, thankful uh, for uh, to to us for uh, for for giving us that season. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward with his age, uh, and if and if he can keep up that kind of production. But it no longer our problem because he's up with the with the Mets. But Michael Brantley appreciative of the opportunity to be an Astro. Uh, again, very, very refreshing. Here's Michael Brantley. Um, on a, give, Just give us a little bit of an update of where he is physically and uh, when he'll start swinging the, the stick again in his rehab. I'm feeling great. Obviously, I've been you know, rehabbing and working hard all offseason to get back. But overall, I'm doing phenomenal. Really happy where I am physically. I won't be able to hit yet to uh, mid-January sometime. I don't have a select date, but sometime in January, I'll start swinging a bat and kind of have a little progressive uh, hitting schedule throughout then, and we'll go from there. There it is. You heard it from the horse's mouth. He feels phenomenal. He'll start swinging a bat again in January. I, look, I, I don't know when these guys typically start swinging the bat again. I would imagine that, that January is probably a little earlier uh, than, than he typically would. I mean, unless and it wouldn't surprise me if Brantley's a guy mm. that, that hits in the cages year round. But, yeah. but you know, in terms of getting serious and and getting his get, getting all every, all the stars aligned, I would imagine January is plenty early enough, right? Uh, right, Bajani. For, for in terms of spring training and everything, I, I think it's probably pretty close to the norm. I mean, considering that spring training, as you mentioned, is around the corner, February. Yep. I mean, things happen very quickly. There's not much downtime in a baseball off season. In fact. You know, there's probably a lot of players that feel like it's too much sometimes, particularly hitters, because yeah. they're very mm-hmm. rhythmic. Right, right, yeah. So, so January he'll start swinging it again. Here, here's the last bit on on Brantley, and, and this is this is an interesting one. We know we've heard from uh, we've heard from uh, not I keep want to say Bregman, but uh, back Jeff Bagwell, um, and we've heard from Dusty Baker. Clearly, both of them little difference of opinion in terms of how much Jordan needs to play, but it's going to be a platoon effort in left field between Jordan and we now know, uh, hopefully, if everything's healthy, Michael Brantley. Here's Michael Brantley on sharing that, that duty, that left field duty, that, that DH duty with Jordan Alvarez. 
Of course. Uh, I'm a team player. Team comes first always. Uh, I just look forward to contributing in a positive way each and every day. Any chance that I get. So if that's what they want to do, I'm all for it. If he needs a day and I can go out there and left field, I'll be ready to do that as well. Um, I think we do a great job of, you know, communicating how everybody's doing and giving everybody, or trying to keep everybody fresh in the process. So uh, whatever they need me to do. I shouldn't I shouldn't be this excited about about Michael Brandt. Why not? I think you should be. Well, I just, I feel like, I mean, it's one of those things where I, we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about the center field rotation and what the hell they're doing in left field. And this guy can play because he can run. And this guy, I mean, you, you, I mean, show and I cuss and discuss left field and speed and arm strength and defense and who likes to play and hit while they're playing the field versus DH and all this kind of jive. And, and now we've got, I just, it's almost too good to be true for me. You got Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley. I don't give a damn who's playing the outfield. I don't give a damn who's DH. And I, I am in a, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I am stoked about the outfield. I like white boy Chaz in center field. I'm, I'm anxious to see what he can do with a full season, at least when it, when it appears that he's going to be made the guy in center field. I'm anxious to see what Brantley can do coming back off of this injury. Um, I'm anxious to see what Bagwell and Dusty Baker, who's right on how much Jordan plays in left field. But the thought of, like, what the hell are we doing in yeah. the outfield? What does left field look like? Those days appear uh, to be uh, behind us. All right, here we go. We got the man that broke the news on Carlos Correa to the Mets last night. Actually, it was early this morning at 1.36 a.m. Apparently, John Heyman, he does not sleep, folks. I guess this time of year when Carlos Correa could be on the move, he does not sleep. He broke the news that Correa flipped from the Giants to the Mets at 1.35 this morning. He joins us next right here on Sports Radio 610. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Ron, the show Hughley is out. Sean Bajani is in. Carlos Correa is no longer a Giant. The introductory press conference went completely off the rails and he flipped. Carlos Correa flipped last night from the San Francisco Giants to the New York Mets. John Heyman, uh, our MLB Sports Radio 610 MLB insider, he broke that news roughly around 1.30 this morning about Correa flipping to uh, the Mets. And John Heyman is joining us now. Joining the show is Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. John is also the host of Odyssey Original Podcast, the Odyssey Original Podcast. Big time baseball with Cody Decker and Tony Gwynn Jr. covering the entire MLB. John, how you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you doing? Man, we're we're doing good. We're rocking and rolling. It's Christmas time, man. It's it's uh Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, yes. Happy New Year. Hey, if you can't put a smile on your face this day, this time of year, John, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you, man. <laughs> I like the way you put that. That's right. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you, thank you. Hey, man, we you you broke the news, man. One thirty this morning. First of all, I guess your ass don't sleep. I guess you just you, you just don't sleep when these when these uh, big time baseballers <laughs> are on the move. But Carlos Correa flips. From the Giants to the Mets, man. I think first and foremost, let, let's talk about the front end of that. Um, what what exactly happened in San Francisco between Carlos Correa's representation and the organization to make the flip to the Mets a possibility? Well, right now they're just saying there was a difference of opinion over the the physical, and that's it. Um, you know, the Giants 
people have told people there was some concern about some issue with the physical. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what it was. Uh, I just heard that it was not the back, which, as you guys know, had been a little bit of an issue at times in Houston. Now, the last few years, he really has not had that back issue. And apparently, it's something else. Now, you know, of course, there's going to be speculation that they got cold feet. It was a big contract. But, you know, I mean, they were pretty excited about getting a star player to San Francisco. They felt that they needed to get that star they tried hard for Judge, and then when Judge didn't pan out, they went for Correa. It's you know, it's hard to imagine a cold feet over. I've seen cold feet before, uh, no question about it. But it it felt like they were excited about this deal. So something happened, and now he will be a New York Met, provided he passes their physical. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about next, John. Is obviously this contract is pending another physical. What do you think the real concern? or the difference of the real concern might be between the Giants and the Mets. I mean, the Mets have been making splashes all over the place. We talked about the amount of money they'd spent, but why would they feel more comfortable with the medical in return with Correa than that of the Giants, who needed to make a splash? Well, I'm assuming there is some concerning thing about the physical. The Mets are, you know, uh, le- more uh, or less concerned about risk than, than the Giants, it seems, you know, and just in general. Probably that's true of every team. You know, uh, they're willing to spend to win and do whatever they can to enhance their chances to win that World Series. Steve Cohn, uh, being the owner now, it has totally changed the outlook of the New York Mets. You know, they previously acted like a market team. They're almost $100 million above any other team. And with the tax, they're more than $100 million above any other team. So uh, they're certainly putting their money where their mouth is. They're putting winning above all else. Uh, They're willing to take a loss, and I do believe they are losing money at this rate. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the Giants are more risk-averse. It probably is more most teams are than the Mets at this point. But uh, as you guys know, I think it was Carlos Gomez, a different Carlos, Carlos who uh, they said the Mets had said failed a physical, and then he went uh, to the Astros, I believe, from there, right? So, uh, you know, different different doctors look at things differently. Um, you know, there is such a thing as cold feet, though I'm not saying it's happening here, but uh, uh, the Mets are very excited, and uh, I think it would take some really terrible thing for him to not pass his physical. Boy, it's it's getting expensive out there for these teams that are chasing these Astros, John. I know I know you can't put it that way, but down <laughs> here we like we like to put oh, it that yeah. way. It, it, they're sure. chasing, and it's expensive now. Um, hey, speaking of of Correa going to the Mets, if this thing if this thing clears, how does how does Correa fit in defensively in New York? Well, he'll be the third baseman. Um, you know, he played third base, I believe, in the WBC with Lindor as shortstop for the Puerto Rico team. And he he's uh, apparently a ter- terrific third baseman. I don't recall uh, that uh, that tournament uh, or his defense in that tournament, but I'm hearing from all sorts of people that he's a great defensive third baseman as well. And... Uh, you know, we're going to, we'll obviously see he's much more experienced at shortstop where he was dynamic defensively. And it gives the Mets quite interesting left side of the infield, a little reminiscent of when the Yankees had A-Rod and Jeter, probably not quite that accomplished. And we're not expecting uh, Correa to hit 50 home runs or even 40 home runs, but uh, terrific, terrific uh, left side of the infield for the Mets. 
Uh, they're not the only ones. The Padres are pretty good with Machado and, and Bogarts as well. So, and you know what? Your Astros are pretty good too. Let's not forget uh, Pena and Bregman. They're, they're outstanding players too. No question. We'll get to the Astros with you in just a moment. But I had kind of one final question in regards to uh, Correa and the New York Mets. And, again, this is uh, Odyssey MLB insider John Hammond joining us here on Sports Radio 610. You just mentioned it with the crazy spending that the Mets have been doing this offseason. I mean, the numbers are astronomical. What have you been hearing in terms of other front offices, executives? What do they think about the Mets' spending habits this offseason? How are they perceiving this team going forward, which is very very old once again for a second consecutive season in both the starting rotation and on the field. Well, you know, uh, I've reached out to a few owners today and uh, they are fairly tight-lipped. They say it doesn't do them any good to complain. Uh, You do hear that there are complaints uh, amongst themselves. Uh, Little talk, little chatter among the owners that they're not too happy. That being said, he is playing within the rules. Is Steve Cohn. And, uh, you know, I think it could be imagined, at least when he won the team, that he was going to be a big spender, being that he has a reported $17 billion, which is probably about 10 to 20% more than most of the other owners. Uh, You know, a lot of the owners, probably a vast majority, are worth $3 billion or less. Not not that there's anything wrong with it, but uh, (laughs) it's not the same as uh, having $17 billion and being willing to lose whether it's 200 million, I'm not sure. 250 million a year, he could lose 200 million a year for 10 years. It's still only two billion dollars over time. So you know he wants to win. He's willing to uh, sacrifice uh, his person, part of his personal wealth, to do so. John, let, let's let's bring this thing back to Houston and, and talk a little bit about these World Series champions that have now added uh, two 300 hitters to the lineup that won the World Series last year in Jose Abreu and now the most recent news with them re-signing uh, Michael Brantley. Assuming that he's healthy, I don't want to speculate on, on whether he is or he isn't. He spoke today to the media and, and seems to – he he were what, – what word did he use? Phenomenal. In, phenomenal. I almost said tremendous. Phenomenal, and he'll be swinging the bat again in January. How Just, just those two bats being back in this lineup – um, for for a a World Series uh, defenders, what 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 does that look like to you? Yeah, I mean the Astros were a, an amazing team last year, as you guys know, with some stars at the top of that lineup and incredible pitching, top to bottom. Uh, if you would point to a weakness, it was a little the lineup was a little top heavy, so they've now lengthened it with Abreu and Brantley, provided that he is healthy. And I've heard all along that they preferred him over all the others as long as he checked out medically. And apparently he did check out medically. And I think he feels good about it. They feel good about it. And, uh, I mean, it's a terrific lineup now to go with a a great offense. Um, You know, they're, uh, excuse me, a great pitching staff. Obviously the loss of Verlander is uh, is a loss. But, uh, boy, their pitching was so good that, I mean, you guys know it better than I do. Uh, Javier was, you know, on the the cusp of the rotation there. And nobody could even hit the guy. So uh, he's fully in the rotation now and probably will be one of the best pitchers in the game uh, to go along with Valdez and all the other fine young pitchers uh, that Houston has. They've, they've done a, just a terrific job. John, you mentioned it, and we certainly know it, how deep this Astros uh, lineup is now with the addition of Jose Abreu and now bringing Michael Brantley back. As good as 
you know, rookie and going in now to his sophomore season, Jeremy Pena has been in that two hole for the Astros. Where do you see Michael Brantley fitting in in terms of this lineup? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I, I will I will leave that to uh, Dusty Baker. He probably went against the analytics uh, when he put Pena second. They wanted to get him some good pitches in front of Alvarez, and boy, did it work. Uh, you know, I don't think any uh, analytics person would have had. Pena is ever batting second there, but uh, you know I I could see Brantley uh, back to second and uh, Pena in the middle of that lineup. He obviously has terrific terrific power. I saw him in spring training hit a home run that was one of the longest home runs I saw all year, probably 480 feet, and I really uh, opened my eyes as to what kind of a talent this kid is. And I you know I think he'd be good in the middle of the lineup, and probably uh, that's where the analytics people would like it, but. Uh, you know what, Dusty's uh, got a good feel for these things. I will leave that to him and whether he wants to leave them in the second spot because, boy, did he ever thrive there uh, in front of Alvarez. That's John Heyman, Odyssey MLB insider, joining us on Sports Radio 16. Real quick, John, I, I want to leave you with this one here. Um, look, the, the Astros have, have signed Jose Abreu. Now they've re-signed um, Michael Brantley. They re-signed uh, Montero. Uh, they, they've had a little bit of action there, and I, I think the, the the situation here with no GM is at least a topic of conversation pretty often when these deals get done. Jim Crane obviously is close to the situation, if not handling him, himself. Jeff Bagwell has has uh, has an interesting role here uh, in Houston so far with, with really no title. There's two assistant GMs. But there's no GM. I don't know who they're an assistant to. I'm assuming Jim Crane. But just your thoughts on the Astros moving forward with no general manager and anything that you've any any rumblings you've heard around what they may do there. Well, I think Jim Crane is acting as the general manager right now. I don't know what else you could say about that. And he's, from what I understand, was handling the negotiations of the big free agents, at least to my knowledge. So, you know. Uh, I don't know what kind of a hurry he is to get a GM in there. I mean, that's the usual way to go is to have a, uh, a general manager and not do it yourself, but uh, there's no rule against it. Uh, I know there was a rule when the owner tried to step into the dugout. This is Ted Turner. That's a long time ago. But, uh, you know, for now, uh, Jim Crane is uh, really the de facto GM. I'm sure there'll be lots of speculation about David Stearns, who – is under contract and apparently not going anywhere with the Brewers and not really working for them, just resting right now. And um, I could see him back in Houston. Uh, that would make sense. He's certainly qualified, and he did an overall very good job uh, with the Brewers. I like where they're at, that run-it-back mode, man. Keep the train on the tracks and run it back, baby. Hey, John, I appreciate you joining us, man. And, and again, um, Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year to you, your family, and all your loved ones, man. Appreciate you joining us. All right, happy holidays to you. Thank you. All right, that was Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. BetQL is here to help us all make better bets through real proven analytics. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. Also, check this out, man. You can join Ron the Show, Ugly, and myself, the drive crew, at the Thirsty Texan for a Miller Lite Football Friday this Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. Come hang out with me, Ron the Show, Ugly, 
Uh, I'm not really sure who's going to be there with us. Aaron's going to be on the road with the with the Texans. That's right. We usually have the Texans engineer handling all of our stuff, if you know what I mean. But come hang out with us, man. I know me and uh, – well, Ron ain't going to be there either. It's going to be you, I'll ain't be it, there, Sean? Baby. No, on. Ron, but don't worry because we got Sean, baby. Sean Bajani is going to be there at the Thirsty Texan with me, uh, and we'll get everybody ready for Saturday's Christmas Eve rematch with the Tennessee Titans on a Miller Lite football Friday. All right, look, we've cussed and discussed Lovey Smith, Nick Casario, Cal McNair, Hannah McNair, everything Texans, right? Some things I think they have legs. Some things it's just a way to talk about the Texans during the season that they're 1-12-1. and I tell you what, I've dug something up that I believe is going to be the hardest thing for Lovey Smith and Nick, Nick Casario to overcome, and I believe it's going to be the hardest thing for Cal McNair and Hannah McNair to accept as they make a decision on how to move forward with the Houston Texans. That's next. We're freaking practicing, trying to get better. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 